Section 9 of The Wood Beyond the World This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, and to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Corrie Samuel The Wood Beyond the World by William Morris Chapter 25 Of the Triumphant Summer Array of the Maid When the day was bright, Walter arose, and met the maid coming from the river-bank, fresh and rosy from the water. She paled a little when they met face to face, and she shrank from him shyly. But he took her hand, and kissed her frankly, and the two were glad, and had no need to tell each other of their joy, though much else they deemed they had to say, could they have found words thereto. So they came to their fire, and sat down, and fell to breakfast, and ere they were done, the maid said, My master, thou seest we be come nigh unto the hill-country, and to-day about sunset belike we shall come into the land of the bear-folk, and both it is, that there is peril if we fall into their hands, and that we may scarce escape them. Yet I deem that we may deal with the peril by wisdom. What is the peril? said Walter. I mean, what is the worst of it? said the maid. To be offered up in sacrifice to their God. But if we escape death at their hands, what then? said Walter. One of two things, said she. The first, that they shall take us into their tribe. And will they sunder us in that case? said Walter. Nay, said she. Walter laughed, and said, Therein is little harm, then, but what is the other chance? Said she, That we leave them with their good will, and come back to one of the lands of Christendom. Said Walter, I am not all so sure that this is the better of the two choices, though forsooth thou seemest to think so. But tell me now, what like is their God, that they should offer up newcomers to him. Their god is a woman, she said, and the mother of their nation and tribes, or so they deem, before the days when they had chieftains and lords of battle. That will be long ago, said he. How then may she be living now? Said the maid, Doubtless that woman of your agone is dead this many and many a year, but they take to them still a new woman, one after other, as they may happen on them, to be in the stead of the ancient mother. And to tell thee the very truth right out, she that lieth dead in the pillared hall was even the last of these, and now, if they knew it, they lack a god. This shall we tell them. Yea, yea, said Walter, a goodly welcome shall we have of them, then, if we come amongst them with our hands red with the blood of their god. She smiled on him, and said, If I come amongst them with the tidings that I have slain her, and they trow therein, without doubt they shall make me lady and goddess in her stead. This is a strange word, said Walter, but if so they do, 
how shall that further us in reaching the kindreds of the world, and the folk of holy church? She laughed outright, so joyous was she grown, now that she knew that his life was yet to be a part of hers. Sweetheart, she said, now I see that thou desirest wholly what I desire. Yet in any case, abiding with them would be living and not dying, even as thou hadst it e'en now. But forsooth, they will not hinder our departure, if they deem me their God. They do not look for it, nor desire it, that their God should dwell with them daily. Have no fear. Then she laughed again, and said, What? Thou lookest on me, and deemest me to be but a sorry image of a goddess, and me with my scanty coat, and bare arms, and naked feet. But wait! I know well how to array me when the time cometh. Thou shalt see it. And now, my master, were it not meet that we took to the road? So they arose, and found a ford of the river that took the maid but to the knee, and so set forth up the greensward of the slopes, whereas there were but few trees, so went they faring toward the hill country. At the last they were come to the feet of the very hills, and in the hollows betwixt the buttresses of them grew nut and berry trees, and the greensward round about them was both thick and much flowery. There they stayed them, and dined, whereas Walter had shot a hare by the way, and they had found a bubbling spring under a grey stone in a bite of the coppice, wherein now the birds were singing their best. When they had eaten, and had rested somewhat, the maid arose, and said, Now shall the queen array herself, and seem like a very goddess. Then she fell to work, while Walter looked on, and she made a garland for her head of eglantine, where the roses were the fairest, and with mingled flowers of the summer she wreathed her middle about, and let the garland of them hang down to below her knees, and knots of the flowers she made fast to the skirts of her coat, and did them for arm-rings about her arms, and for anklets and sandals for her feet. Then she set a garland about Walter's head, and then stood a little off from him, and set her feet together, and lifted up her arms, and said, Lo now, am I not as like to the mother of summer, as if I were clad in silk and gold, and even so shall I be deemed by the folk of the bear. Come now, thou shalt see how all shall be well. She laughed joyously, but he might scarce laugh for pity of his love. Then they set forth again, and began to climb the hills, and the hours wore as they went in sweet converse, till at last Walter looked on the maid, and smiled on her, and said, one thing I would say to thee, lovely friend, to wit, wert thou clad in silk and gold, thy stately raiment might well suffer a few stains, or here and there a rent may be. But stately would it be still, when the folk of the bear should come up against thee. But as to this flowery array of thine, in a few hours it shall be all faded and naught. Nay, even now, as I look on thee, the meadow-sweet that hangeth from thy girdle-stead has waxen dull, and welted, and the blossoming eyebright that is for a hem to the little white coat of thee, 
is already forgetting how to be bright and blue. What sayest thou then? She laughed at his word, and stood still, and looked back over her shoulder, while with her fingers she dealt with the flowers about her side, like to a bird preening his feathers. Then she said, Is it verily so, as thou sayest? Look again. So he looked, and wondered, for lo, beneath his eyes the spires of the meadow-sweet grew crisp and clear again, the eye-bright blossoms shone once more over the whiteness of her legs, the eglantine roses opened, and all was as fresh and bright as if it were still growing on its own roots. He wondered, and was even some deal aghast, but she said, Dear friend, be not troubled. Did I not tell thee that I am wise in hidden law? But in my wisdom shall be no longer any scathe to any man. And again, this my wisdom, as I told thee erst, shall end on the day whereon I am made all happy. And it is thou that shall wield it all, my master. Yet must my wisdom needs endure for a little season yet. Let us on, then, boldly and happily. Chapter 26 They Come to the Folk of the Bears On they went, and before long they were come up onto the down country, where was scarce a tree, save gnarled and knotty thorn-bushes here and there, but nought else higher than the wind. And here, on these upper lands, they saw that the pastures were much burned with the drought, albeit summer was not worn old. Now they went, making due south toward the mountains, whose heads they saw from time to time, rising deep blue over the bleak greyness of the downland ridges. And so they went, till at last, hard on sunset, after they had climbed long over a high bent, they came to the brow thereof, and looking down, beheld new tidings. There was a wide valley below them, greener than the downs which they had come over, and greener yet amidmost, from the watering of a stream which, all beset with willows, wound about the bottom. Sheep and neat were pasturing about the dale, and moreover a long line of smoke was going up straight into the windless heavens, from the midst of a ring of little round houses built of turfs, and thatched with reed. And beyond that, toward an east-lying bight of the dale, they could see what looked like to a doom-ring of big stones, though there were no rocky places in that land. About the cooking-fire, amidst of the houses, and here and there otherwhere, they saw, standing, or going to and fro, huge figures of men and women, with children playing about betwixt them. They stood and gazed down at it for a minute or two, and though all were at peace there, yet to Walter at least it seemed strange and awful. He spake softly, as though he would not have his voice reach those men, though they were, forsooth, out of earshot of anything save a shout. Are these, then, the children of the bear? What shall we do now? She said, 
yea, of the bear they be, though there be other folks of them far and far away to the northward and eastward, near to the borders of the sea. And as to what we shall do, let us go down at once, and peacefully. Indeed, by now there will be no escape from them, for lo you, they have seen us. Forsooth, some three or four of the big men had turned them toward the bent whereon stood the twain, and were hailing them in huge rough voices, wherein, howsoever, seemed to be no anger or threat. So the maid took Walter by the hand, and thus they went down quietly, and the bear folk, seeing them, stood all together, facing them, to abide their coming. Walter saw of them, that, though they were very tall and bigly made, they were not so far above the stature of men as to be marvels. The carls were long-haired and shaggy of beard, and their hair all red or tawny. Their skins, where their naked flesh showed, were burned brown with sun and weather, but to a fair and pleasant brown, naught like to blackamoors. The queens were comely and well-eyed, nor was there anything of fierce or evil-looking about either the carls or the queens, but somewhat grave and solemn of aspect were they. Clad were they all, saving the young men-children, but somewhat scantily, and in naught save sheepskins or deerskins. For weapons they saw amongst them clubs, and spears headed with bone or flint, and ugly axes of big flints set in wooden handles, nor was there, as far as they could see, either now or afterward, any bow amongst them. But some of the young men seemed to have slings done about their shoulders. Now, when they were come but three fathom from them, the maid lifted up her voice, and spake clearly and sweetly. Hail, ye folk of the bears! We have come amongst you, and that for your good, and not for your hurt. Wherefore we would know if we be welcome. There was an old man who stood foremost in the midst, clad in a mantle of deerskins worked very goodly, and with a gold ring on his arm, and a chaplet of blue stones on his head, and he spake, Little are ye, but so goodly, that if ye were but bigger, we should deem that ye were come from the gods' house. Yet have I heard, that how mighty soever may the gods be, and chiefly our god, they be at whiles naught so bigly made as we of the bears. How this may be, I wot not. But if ye be not of the gods, or their kindred, then are ye mere aliens, and we know not what to do with aliens, save we meet them in battle, or give them to the god, or save we make them children of the bear. But yet again, ye may be messengers of some folk who would bind friendship and alliance with us, in which case ye shall at the least depart in peace, and whiles ye are with us shall be our guests in all good cheer. Now, therefore, we bid you declare the matter unto us. Then spake the maid, Father, it were easy for us to declare what we be unto you here present, but, meseemeth, ye who be gathered round the fire here this evening 
are less than the whole tale of the children of the bear. So it is, maiden, said the elder, that many more children hath the bear. This then we bid you, said the maid, that ye send the tokens round and gather your people to you, and when they be assembled in the doom ring, then shall we put our errand before you, and according to that shall ye deal with us. Thou hast spoken well, said the elder, and even so had we bidden you ourselves. To-morrow, before noon, shall ye stand in the doom-ring in this dale, and speak with the children of the bear. Therewith he turned to his own folk, and called out something, whereof those twain knew not the meaning, and there came to him, one after another, six young men, unto each of whom he gave a thing from out his pouch, but what it was Walter might not see, save that it was little and of small account. To each, also, he spake a word or two, and straight they set off running, one after the other, turning toward the bent which was over against that whereby the twain had come into the dale, and were soon out of sight in the gathering dusk. Then the elder turned him again to Walter and the maid, and spake, Man and woman, whatsoever ye may be, or whatsoever may abide you to-morrow, to-night ye are welcome guests to us, so we bid you come eat and drink at our fire. So they sat, all together, upon the grass, round about the embers of the fire, and ate curds and cheese, and drank milk in abundance, and as the night grew on them, they quickened the fire, that they might have light. This wild folk talked merrily amongst themselves, with laughter enough and friendly jests, but to the newcomers they were few spoken, though, as the twain deemed, for no enmity that they bore them. But this found Walter, that the young ones, both men and women, seemed to find it a hard matter to keep their eyes off them, and seemed, withal, to gaze on them with somewhat of doubt, or, it might be, of fear. So when the night was wearing a little, the elder arose, and bade the twain to come with him, and led them to a small house or booth, which was amidmost of all, and somewhat bigger than the others, and he did them to wit, that they should rest there that night, and bade them sleep in peace and without fear till the morrow. So they entered, and found beds thereon of heather and ling, and they laid them down sweetly, like brother and sister, when they had kissed each other. But they noted that four brisk men lay without the booth, and across the door, with their weapons beside them, so that they must needs look upon themselves as captives. Then Walter might not refrain him, but spake. Sweet and dear friend, I have come a long way from the quay at Langton, and the vision of the dwarf, the maid, and the lady, and for this kiss wherewith I have kissed thee e'en now, and the kindness of thine eyes, it was worth the time and the travail. But to-morrow, meseemeth, I shall go no further in this world, though my journey be far longer than from Langton hither. And now, 
May God and all hallows keep thee amongst this wild folk, whenas I shall be gone from thee. She laughed, low and sweetly, and said, Dear friend, dost thou speak to me thus mournfully to move me to love thee better? Then is thy labour lost, for no better may I love thee than now I do, and that is with mine whole heart. But keep a good courage, I bid thee, for we be not sundered yet, nor shall we be. Nor do I deem that we shall die here, or to-morrow, but many years hence, after we have known all the sweetness of life. Meanwhile I bid thee good-night, fair friend. Chapter 27 Morning Amongst the Bears So Walter laid him down, and fell asleep, and knew no more till he awoke in bright daylight, with the maid standing over him. She was fresh from the water, for she had been to the river to bathe her, and the sun through the open door fell streaming on her feet, close to Walter's pillow. He turned about, and cast his arm about them, and caressed them, while she stood smiling upon him. Then he arose and looked on her, and said, how thou art fair and bright this morning! And yet, and yet, were it not well that thou do off thee all this faded and drooping bravery of leaves and blossoms, that maketh thee look like to a jongler's damsel on a morrow of May-day? And he gazed ruefully on her. She laughed on him merrily, and said, Yea, and belike these others think no better of my attire, or not much better, for yonder they are gathering small wood for the burnt offering, which, forsooth, shall be thou and I, unless I better it all by means of the wisdom I learned of the old woman, and perfected betwixt the stripes of my mistress, whom a little while ago thou lovedst somewhat. And as she spake, her eyes sparkled, her cheek flushed, and her limbs and her feet seemed as if they could scarce refrain from dancing for joy. Then Walter knit his brow, and for a moment a thought half-framed was in his mind. Is it so, that she will bewray me, and live without me? And he cast his eyes on to the ground. But she said, Look up, and into mine eyes, friend, and see if there be in them any falseness toward thee for I know thy thought, I know thy thought. Dost thou not see that my joy and gladness is for the love of thee, and the thought of the rest from trouble that is at hand? He looked up, and his eyes met the eyes of her love, and he would have cast his arms about her, but she drew back, and said, Nay, thou must refrain thee a while, dear friend, lest these folk cast eyes on us, and deem us over-lover-like, for what I am to bid them deem me. Abide a while, and then shall all be in me according to thy will. But now I must tell thee that it is not very far from noon, and that the bears are streaming into the dale, and already there is a host of men at the doom-ring, and as I said, the bale for the burnt-offering is well-nigh dight, whether it be for us, or for some other creature. And now I have to bid thee this, 
and it will be a thing easy for thee to do, to wit, that thou look as if thou wert of the race of the gods, and not to blench, or show sign of blenching, whatever betide. To yea say both my yea say, and my nay say, and lastly this, which is the only hard thing for thee. But thou hast already done it before somewhat, to look upon me with no masterful eyes of love, nor as if thou wert at once praying me and commanding me. Rather, thou shalt so demean thee, as if thou wert my man all simply, and no wise my master. O friend beloved, said Walter, here at least art thou the master, and I will do all thy bidding, in certain hope of this, that either we shall live together, or die together. But as they spoke, in came the elder, and with him a young maiden, bearing with them their breakfast of curds and cream and strawberries, and he bade them eat. So they ate, and were not unmerry, and the while of their eating the elder talked with them soberly, but not hardly, or with any seeming enmity, and ever his talk gat on to the drought, which was now burning up the down pastures, and how the grass in the watered dales, which was no wide spread of land, would not hold out much longer unless the god sent them rain. And Walter noted that those two, the elder and the maid, eyed each other curiously amidst of this talk, the elder intent on what she might say, and if she gave heed to his words, while on her side the maid answered his speech graciously and pleasantly, but said little that was of any import. Nor would she have him fix her eyes, which wandered lightly from this thing to that, nor would her lips grow stern and stable, but ever smiled in answer to the light of her eyes, as she sat there, with her face as the very face of the gladness of the summer day. End of section 9